Well, good morning, LCM. Good morning. Today is September 26, 2021. Today is going to be a special day. A day in which there will be no clinching with the darkness of our times. Because as you have become aware, Olivia, Wade's daughter, has been clenching with the darkness enough for all of us. Brother, darkness! Darkness. It's true. This is just going to keep going and going and going and going. Today, we have a surprise for you. There really won't be a surprise to any of you who are truly spiritual. This morning, we're going to ordain three men who are already serving as ministers within this local body. So we have a programming note for you right up front. Those of you that made plans for lunch in other places, you did not hear from God. Because we have catered fajita peats. And I would highly suggest that you cancel your plans. Amen. I also would like to acknowledge a good friend here today. His name is Fabian Cruz, and he's sitting right back here. I can't tell you how hardworking this man is, how loyal he is, or the tremendous benefit to Forever Custom Renovation that he is. But more than that, his friendship to our spiritual sons Amen. has helped them do the things that they do. Amen. If you haven't had a chance to meet Fabian, please take some time at lunch because I believe Fabian will stay with us for lunch, especially since I'm calling it out right now. <laughs> and get to know him. He's a good man. Today will be our first team ordination in the history of LCM. Most of the time, we ordain men and trust they will form teams. But as we've progressed in the spirit, we've now reached a place where we are actually ordaining a three-stranded cord that will never be broken. Amen. I'm, of course, talking about Nicola. Stares into your soul, Erigina. Yeah. And his team member, Peyton, the Juggernugget Parsons! Juggernugget! And last, but certainly not least, Judah, the Baron Stevens! Will you die for Jesus' son? <laughs> Very often, because some churches run more like businesses, analogous to professional athletic franchises, it's the most gifted men that are in the spotlight. You know, like LeBron James, yeah. the self-proclaimed king. What team has he taken his talents to now? <laughs> Who cares? Because he's a superstar wherever he lands. He proclaims to be the greatest of all time. He proclaims himself to be the GOAT. GOAT. What about the legend, the epic superstar of the business world, Steve Jobs? 
Who was his team? Who were the men that spoke deeply into his life? It doesn't matter because he was the goat. Can anybody name the team of elders and pastors that surround Joel Osteen? Of course you can't because it doesn't matter because he is the goat. Goat. (laughs) The men of God we are talking about today are gifted beyond belief. Nick and Peyton and Judah. But not in the way the carnal mind thinks about it as singular leaders or superstars. They are sheep leading other sheep. Amen. The emphasis is not on the personal gifts of these men, but rather that these men are being gifted to you and to me within this body for our corporate development. Can somebody say hallelujah? Hallelujah! In the tradition of the apostles before us, these men work to earn their living, and they are not paid by the church. Yet, they sacrifice themselves daily for the development of this community so that we all may become an acceptable offering, presenting the body of Messiah as a savior of the world. Have you guys witnessed this in their lives? Turn with me to Numbers chapter 8, and we're going to pick up with verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, speak to Aaron and say to him, when you set up the lamps, see that all seven light up the area in front of the lampstand. Aaron did so. He set up the lamps so that they faced forward on the lampstand. Just as the Lord commanded Moses. This is how the lampstand was made. It was made of hammered gold from its base to its blossoms. The lampstand was made exactly like the pattern the Lord had shown Moses. Look, these first four verses are packed full of revelation. To start with, long before a priesthood could be ordained, the sevenfold lamp of God had to be present. This lamp was uniquely of God's design and is always presented as facing forward. This heavenly design of God's lampstand, the one that always faced forward, it was made according to a pattern. And it was the work of a craftsman from its base all the way to its blossoms. Truthfully, I just wanted to say from its base to its blossoms. While speaking about beautiful designs. Amen, Miss Jennifer. God's heavenly design was represented in the tabernacle from the base to the blossoms. And it was always facing and moving forward. Church, we could see the divine providence, our God that has been leading us for a while since July. Everybody say July. July. Adonai has been facing us forward in the spirit towards the events that we're experiencing today. Think about it. It began with don't fear the razor. And that was about three groupings of Israelites that were all being developed through the same process to accomplish God's objectives in the world. Then we moved on to the mature manhood series. And it included titles like the making of a priest the marking of a priest, and the mission of a priest. And that was about the seven-fold process of fully presenting Christ to the world. 
Then, just a few weeks ago, we had Winning the War, which was about the unity of the body of Messiah with its three groupings of men, all of whom have a fixed value. Somebody say fixed value. Fixed Fixed value. value. And the singular objective of presenting Christ to the world as a team. Then we had seventh stage of military movement and the reflection that followed it, which was presented by Nick, Peyton, and Judah. That was encouraging us all about the precision with which we must shape hearts in our homes, the preparation that must take place between us in the body, and the corporate presentation of Messiah to the entire world. Church, isn't it good to have God's presence with us? His good spirit leading us on level ground? It's been so good to be able to see the Lord faithfully leading this body towards victory. It reminds me of Psalm 77, verse 19. I'll read it to you. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. Except that in this case, we can so clearly see his footprints are there. Today, this local community is recognizing that we have been gifted with men who serve this community by preparing the body of Christ to complete our mission to the world. All of us are soldiers. These soldiers are being gifted to us like corporals or sergeants so that we may all become mature in our presentation of Christ that occurs through our daily lives to the whole world. Look, we want to pick up in Numbers 8 and watch how the team begins to form. Look at verse 5. The Lord said to Moses, take the Levites from among all the Israelites and make them ceremonially clean. To purify them, do this. (laughs) Sprinkle the water of cleansing on them. Then have them shave their whole bodies and wash their clothes. And so they will purify themselves. Have them take a young bull with its grain offering of finest flour mixed with olive oil. Then you are to take a second bull, because there's two, for a sin offering. Bring the Levites to the front of the tent of meeting And assemble the whole Israelite community. You are to bring the Levites before the Lord. And the Israelites are to lay their hands on them. Aaron is to present the Levites before the Lord as a wave offering from the Israelites. So that they may be ready to do the work of the Lord. Amen. You can see that the imagery is that all Israelites are God's sheep. And some of those sheep are responsible for the preparation of the whole flock as a community. There wasn't a singular superstar goat among them. Ordination is and always has been an act of the corporate body of Messiah. Priests are a gift to the body so that we might make our lives a gift to the world on behalf of our Messiah. Amen. Today, we obviously aren't in the deserts of Arabia or the Sinai Peninsula, but the spiritual artists of the Bible have been painting the narrative throughout, and it's one that we are seeing today enacted right before our very eyes. And as a matter of fact, you are each a part of this ordination process. These men that we're talking about today, these three men are not a special class. They're not cloistered in a closely protected clergy distinct from the rest of the body. They are, in fact, members of the body, and they are members of this body, whose function is a gift to the rest of the body. See, Paul uses this imagery prolifically, and we have a slide that we want to show you. 
Take a look here. You can see how many times Paul uses the idea and the concept of a singular body with many members. You can see that directly stated in Romans. As you're moving through Corinthians, you see it again and again that we are one body with many parts. In Ephesians, you see that Jesus is the head of this one body with many parts. That Christ is the head and that we are the members of the body. By the time you get to Colossians, you see restated again for emphasis that he is the head of the body. And the body is supported, held together by its ligaments and sinews and muscles because we are all members of one body. Isn't that an amazing amount of times that Paul is using this singular concept to help us understand the importance of one body? Everybody say one body. One, one body. body. Church, uh, I've been here since the beginning of LCM. It's because you're getting old. <laughs> oh, I wish I had gray hair rather than no hair. The sheep stole it. <laughs> one thing I've seen is that this has always been a one giant round table that only Jesus has truly been the head of. All the rest of us are just members of his body working together to function as priest to the rest of the world. Notice the last part of verse 11 in Numbers chapter 8, when it says, so that they may be ready to do the work of the Lord. It doesn't just relate to the priest, but to the whole and entire Israelite community. Amen. So this morning, we're going to recognize the supporting ligaments, sinews, and muscles that function together as a team so that we all grow into maturity as the body of Messiah. You'll remember this slide from Don't Fear the Razor. This is the body recognizing their function by this very process. Looking at this slide, you'll see that steps one through four have been so obvious that we can all see it. And now led by the Spirit, it's time to actually do steps five through seven. So looking at this slide, step five is that they were to bring the Levites to the front of the tent of meeting and assemble the whole Israelite community. Step six, bring them before the Lord and the Israelites are to lay their hands on them. Step seven, Aaron presents the Levites before the Lord as a wave offering from the Israelites. This is all concluded in Numbers 8 verse 19 when it says, of all the Israelites, I have given the Levites as gifts to Aaron and his sons to do the work at the tent of meeting on behalf of the Israelites and to make atonement for them so that no plague will strike the Israelites when they go near the sanctuary. These men are gifted to us and we make them and they make us gifts to the world from the Lord. So Nick, Peyton, Judah, would you please Come up to the stage and take your seat in these three stools underneath the swan map. Well, these brothers are taking their seat and they are your brothers. I wanted to tell you that as a young man standing in a foreign country, I was asked by a group of people if I was ordained. 
I had been, but I had not been prepared with how to answer those questions because the man asking me made it a point to let me know that he had been ordained through Princeton's School of Divinity, and that seemed very important to him. I want you to understand something. These men are being ordained through the church, which is you. The final act of ordination today will be you putting your hands on them. It's not an academic certification. It is an attestation to the relationship that you already recognize is there. Let's turn to Psalm 68 and see where Paul derived his Ephesians 4 discourse. In your Bible, you might make a note next to Psalm 68 and put Ephesians 4. Psalm 68 and verse 15. Somebody say gifted. Gifted. Mount Bashan, majestic mountain. Mount Bashan, rugged mountain. Why gaze in envy, you rugged mountain, at the mountain where God chooses to reign, where the Lord himself will dwell forever? In this verse, Bashan is being viewed as the seat of celestial rebellion. And it is looking with envy upon the Lord's earthly habitation, the nation that forms his body. In verse 17, the chariots of God are tens of thousands and thousands of thousands. The Lord has come from Sinai into his sanctuary. See, our God went to war with these celestial powers and invaded what they thought was their territory in order to liberate men like Nick Eregina, Peyton Parsons, and Judah Stevens. That's what's going on in this verse. In verse 18, you'll see it come into light. When you ascended on high, it's speaking of the Lord. When you ascended on high, you took many captives. You received gifts from people, even from the rebellious, that you, Lord God, might dwell there. See, in Adonai's victorious military campaign, he received Nick, Peyton, and Judah as gifts or spoils of war. The sacrifice, dedication, and service that flow from this team is a wave offering and a gift before the Lord. Amen. Paul, when speaking about this to the Ephesian church, presented these gifted men with slightly different wording. I want you to hear the difference in Ephesians 4, 8. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, see how we're quoting Psalm 68? When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. In Psalm 68, he received gifts. That's he took them from the enemy. In Ephesians 4, he is presenting what was taken from the enemy in the lives of these men as a gift to his church. Paul presents their lives as being taken from their former captivity to the celestial powers and turned into gifts given back to the body of Christ for the preparation of every believer so that they may present Messiah to the world. This is why we rightly say that these men are gifted, but not in reference to their personal talents, but in the way that the Lord has gifted them to the body and to this body specifically. 
They typified Jeremiah's exhortation to Baruch in Jeremiah 45 and verse 5, and I'm going to read it to you in the ESV. And do you seek great things for yourself? Seek them not, for behold, I am bringing disaster upon all flesh, declares the Lord. But I will give you your life as a prize of war in all places to which you may go. Church, we can all testify that Judah is not seeking great things for himself. Can we testify to that? We can all testify that Nick is not seeking great things for himself. Let's testify to that. We can all testify that Peyton is not seeking great things for himself. Can we testify to that? These men serve here now and will serve other places in the years to come. But what makes them special is that they view their lives as a prize won in a war and they make their lives a gift to the body of Christ in every single place they stand. So here today, another One Association Church, maybe next week, the region of a swan yet to come, but they are the same men gifted to the body of Messiah everywhere they go, and they already work in a unified team. Amen. Uh, I like to talk about Judah a little bit. I was not only here the day that Judah came into this church. I was here the day Judah came into this very world. Over the years, I saw how much he was a gift to his parents. Then I began to see how much he was becoming a gift to this entire body. I saw the cultivation of a warrior and pastor's heart in him before he was 10 years old. During our first exploratory trips to Mexico, Judah was not just complying with his parents' request as normal children do. There was a genuine, sincere eagerness in him for the welfare of other people and to put into practice our way of life at a very early age. Through his teenage years that were filled with moving households, construction projects. We would actually utilize Judah in a way that we, we couldn't do. We'd enable him to go down to sewer lines and fish stuff out because our arms just were too large. His fist will fit in a four-inch opening for the flange of a toilet and retrieve tools that were dropped to the bottom. Sacrificial brother. He was so glad when he outgrew that opening <laughs> with his hand. Discipleship of all types. Consistently, what I saw in Judah is that he had a sacrificial sharing. And he demonstrated this in his own home. His own home that had every transient that donned the doors of LCM. And there were a bunch. During this time, I saw his competency and his character grow. As he became a man, I was personally challenged and convicted by the level of transparency with which Judah repented. The way in which he took personal responsibility for his own growth and the growth of others around him. And as he stood on those deep convictions, it's been publicly demonstrated ever since. I watched you to hear from God, pursue his bride, cultivate four sons in full view of the whole world. And I saw his mastery of the word. All of this packaged in humility that is to be admired by all. We are truly gifted to have this man serving this local body 
as part of a unified team. Amen. Judah and I returned from an extended trip in India during July of 2012 when I first met Nick Aragina. It was clear from those initial moments nine years ago that his life was a prize of war won by Jesus himself. Yeah. Now you have to appreciate that at the time this uh, tall, awkward uh, <laughs> Church of Christ bow-tie-wearing Austin-esque brother <laughs> could not be properly measured by his outward appearance. However, the Spirit of God began to move because of his affection and favor for Nick. That very night, a prophecy ensued. The first night, the Lord said that Nick would work cultivating revival in the lands surrounding the Black Sea. I was so delirious from the international travel that I remember laying in bed wondering whether I had made that up because the guy next to me on the plane was watching a movie. It was Harry Potter. And I wasn't entirely sure that the Black Sea was a real thing. <laughs> Thankfully, we did find it on a map. <laughs> Look, it would be clear in the following months that the only thing that surpassed this calling was Nick's uncanny ability to cultivate the recesses of his own heart. Yeah. I was there on the day that Nick was filled with the Holy Spirit of God and turned and prayed for what was then only his girlfriend, Sam. And she got baptized in the Holy Spirit through the laying on of his hands. Initially, you can imagine that I was surprised and impressed. But then my heart abruptly sank because they left the service immediately. Later that day, I realized that Nick and Sam had only left the service so that they could go find Natalie Arashina and pray for her to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. My heart resurrected with joy to hear that she was, in fact, baptized in the Holy Spirit through the laying on of their hands. Amen. From the beginning, this uh, careful precision to cultivate Nick's own heart and the hearts within Nick's immediate circle has characterized my friend. As we progressed in discipleship, that process of the sinking of my heart followed by the glorious resurrection of it, it, it became commonplace. In our study time, while he was learning to prepare the body for their works of service, Nick would sit quietly while I put together scripture strings for a service. He didn't say much. He'd then show me his notes, which were often a near mirror image of my own. And truthfully, my, my heart would sink. I would think to myself, what's wrong with this brother that he sits here, says nothing, and now he's copying my exact notes and trying to pass them off as his own. Then I would realize from the timestamp on his notes that the Lord had shared it with him earlier in the morning before we even began studying, and my heart would resurrect and swell with joy. <laughs> I've been deeply involved in the discipleship of men's lives for almost three decades, and I've never met one that exceeded Nick Aragina's intimacy with the Lord. We've served together on many continents and in many countries. 
I can attest to his deep convictions, tireless work for the body of Christ, and the power and clarity with which the Spirit speaks through him. Church, we are truly gifted to have this man serving this local body in a unified team, aren't we? Amen. Church, I was here the day Peyton Parsons, a.k.a. the Jugger Nugget, Nugget! came to LCM. It was immediately following Judah and Sasha's wedding over six years ago. This is, we're family, and so I have to be very, very truthful with you here on the stage in front of everyone. I was actually shocked that uh, you and Hannah weren't 15-year-old siblings from the same mother. Well, you said it, but we all thought it at the, at the time. Speaking as a man who joined an already established team, I can personally appreciate the difficulty, the task that lay before Peyton was. Rather than being intimidated by the maturity of the two men that he was to be partnered with, Peyton only grew in admiration, joy, and tenacity to become just like them. I've never met a man that is more creative, more just tougher, loyal, also disarming, and truthfully, difficult to summarize as Peyton Parsons. What was, however, immediately obvious was that Peyton was a gift to his own team. The anointing on Peyton Parsons brings a joyful shalom and godly resolution to every difficult circumstance. Can you attest to that? The anointing and the tenacity of Peyton Parsons brings jubilant resolve to every difficult situation. The anointing and creativity of Peyton brings life to every difficult moment. Surely, surely, Solomon, the great king of Israel, foresaw the jugger nugget himself when he said that a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Peyton is the husband of Hannah. Peyton is the father of River and Barzillai and Bezalel. Peyton is a worship leader of LCM. Peyton is a teacher of discipleship training at LCM. Peyton is a teacher of Foundations Weekly here for LCM. And yet Peyton finds sacrificial time late into almost every evening to disciple LCM's uh, most difficult wards of state. That's true. Peyton is all in. He's immovable. He's upliftingly joyful, hospitable, meek, and humble. Peyton is an undeniable leader within this body. Amen. We are truly gifted to have this man serving this local body in a unified team. Amen. Church, our name is Life Changing Ministries. As stated in the prophecies in worship earlier, we are a body of believers that gathers the precious stones, polishes them, and prepares them for their works of service. Some will serve here preparing others and being prepared themselves. Some will move on to replicate this process in the lost and dying world. But we are, in fact, one body in which every man is a priest. Some priests are gifts to help prepare all of us. And as a body, our goal is no less than presenting our lives in Messiah as a gift of salvation to the entire world. Hey, let's walk through Ephesians 4 together since what we're doing is ordination. 
I'm going to begin in verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. You can see here that the imagery is the same as Numbers 8. Jesus, as a high priest, just acting like Numbers 8 high priest, gave some within the body to help all of us in the body get prepared for our collective works of service. Jesus really wants his body to be built up together. Yeah, That's why he gifted these men to yeah. us. Let's look at verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Church, this ordination process is about recognizing the maturity that Jesus seeks to bring to every member of his body. And even the ministers are still growing and maturing through the interaction within the body. Just ask our elders. They will tell you we are maturing weekly <laughs> through our interaction with the whole body. Amen. Verse 14. Then we'll, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Recognizing that we each have a responsibility to every other part of the body is essential to everyone's growth within the body. Moreover, recognizing that we have been gifted with men to remind us of this fact only causes us to mature into the works of Christ. Let's look at verse 16. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, yeah. grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work like the levites of numbers 819 we are recognizing that the only way this local body will grow into maturity that looks anything like christ is if we set apart those whom christ has set apart in order to prepare all of us for the works of service that are our corporate responsibility. When I was thinking about this, Nick Aragina has the strength of convictions that I think we can all admire. Amen. He's like bones within the body. Judah Stevens has godly passion for any priority that the Lord sets. That's to be admired, isn't it? Yes. He's like muscles within the body. Peyton Parsons has a godly connectedness. Peyton has a way of helping brothers stick to one another. Yeah. It's, it's something that should be admired, isn't it? Yes. He's like ligaments within the body. This team is an example of how we must all do our part for the collective growth of Messiah's character in us as a community if we are to present Messiah as a corporate body to the world. Would everybody say it with me? We are all, we are all going to do our part. Going, going to, to do our part. part. I want you to know that there is a part for all of us to do. And it's only in connection with each other Amen. 
that we can do that. It's an ordination service, so I'm not going to preach it. Those that are disconnected, those that have been toxically independent your whole lives, and now you flounder because you have no idea how to work in community. I'm not going to preach to you today. Instead, I'm going to tell you that we have examples before us of men that do not do that, and they have the favor of God on their lives. Amen. You know, I've been fortunate to have been here since the beginning of the One Association. Nick Erigina, Peyton Parsons, and Judah Stevens are ordained to be in a long list of men who are each recognized by their own local body because they nobly carry out their function within the body of Christ to help us come into maturity. Men like Nick Slaughter, Zeke Lamb, Michael Hutchinson, Brent Vincent, Buddy Brasso, Justin Johnson, Nick Massey, Jake Womack, Zach Lamb, Peter Allen, Ben Hefner, Matthew Piro and Eric Stevens. These men's name deserve and fit right in with the li- names of the men that I just listed. Uh, you know what? This list extends before these men and will continue to grow after these men. We believe that Justin Treister, Abimbola Daramola, yeah. Justin Linton, yeah. Paul Rosales, yeah. Carlos Rueda, Ibrahim Zakari, yeah. Caleb Brown, yeah. and Marlon Sosa, yeah. just to name a few, will also serve the body, bringing unity in these ways. Not even mentioning the rising stars coming out of Adulam. Look, we're not a sports franchise. There are no goats in here. <laughs> no greatest of all time. They're in the church down the road. We're not a corporate monopoly, and we're not a business-modeled denomination. Every member of the body each has its part in connection with the others to perform. Yeah. Men like Boj Erigina, yeah, Charles Brown, CB. Johnny Dang, Come on. and all the leading families like the Molochs yeah. and the Lawhuns yeah. and the Koras. And too many of you to list for fear that I'll leave somebody out and tempt you to be a goat. (laughs) The Bible describes us together as supporting ligaments and sinews so that we can all present Messiah to the world. Amen. This is not a COVID caste system. No. Where the little people (laughs) have to wear masks, but the governor is exempt. Mm. We're a congregation, not a caste system. Amen. And our presentation of Messiah depends upon us humbly serving in our God-ordained positions as he determines them. Come on now. That was better than you responded. What Eric just said is exactly what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10 and verse 42. Let me read it to you. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so Put with on you. your mask. Put on your mask while I take mine off. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Lori Lightfoot. 
the mayor of Chicago, would never have made it in the body of Christ. Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, would have never made it in the body of Christ. Our august president, Joe Biden, may not be fit to serve even as a deacon within a storefront church like this one that you sit in today. Our goal is that every one of us not only make it, but grows towards a mature presentation of Christ to the world. To that end, Nick and Judah and Peyton are gifted to this body. Amen. Pastor, as I think about what you said about those secular leaders, it's because those secular leaders have the GOAT variant, also known as the tyrant variant of COVID, <laughs> that they are not gifts to the rest of us in the body of Christ. Uh, a man would have to know the love, the freedom, and the purpose of the body of Messiah in order to be a gift to the body of Messiah. That's true. Let's all turn to Revelation chapter 1. As you're turning, say gift. 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 Revelation 1, and we'll pick up in verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Like those before them, Nick, Peyton, and Judah know the love of our Messiah. They are experiencing the freedom of Christ and helping others to do so as well. They have been made into priests that serve this body by helping every member achieve their priestly service to the world. They are sheep helping to lead other sheep into unity as one flock of Messiah who is our head, the very chief shepherd. These men, they are gifts to us all. Recent photos from the border of border agents on horseback have proven to me that time-honored noble positions can easily be mischaracterized by carnal buffoons. So let us begin to exhort Judah, Peyton, and Nick in their roles that they've been carrying and will only grow in in the years ahead. We'll do it together. Amen. Nick, Judah, Peyton, would you please stand? As we've already alluded to several times, you're being ordained as a team. This is an improvement over all previous ordinations. And it's a necessity for your future. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Would you three men join hands? Never. 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 Attempt to operate independently from one another. Or take any action that diminishes the nobility of the three-stranded cord that is your calling 
and your ordination. It occurred to us that you three men are in a unified team that is to operate like Jedithan, Asaph, and He-Man. You three are free to argue about which one of you will be He-Man. We'll just address all of them as Jedithan. Let's address all of you as Jedithan here. We have a slide that we want everyone to take a look at as we're addressing these men. In the first, you can see that Jedithan means praising. And he is also referred to as Ethan, which means permanent, perennial, or long-lived. The position that you are being ordained to today, gentlemen, is a life defined by praise. This is your permanent, your perennial, your lifelong status that you must fight to keep in your attitude. The second in the list indicates in 1 Chronicles 9.16, Jedithan is a Levite. All priests are Levites, and not all Levites have the same function as priests. You must never forget the essential nature of your brothers who are Levites, but do not serve in the same role that you do as priest. In 1 Chronicles 25.6 and many other places, Jedithan is listed with He-Man and Asaph. They were clearly a three-person team. The strength of your lives and the favor of God that rests on you is not based on your individual performance. But instead is oil flowing off of Aaron's beard because of the unity that you possess as a team. I say, love each other. Labor together. Live together. Amen. In 1 Chronicles 16, 41, the text says, Jedithan, chosen and designated by name to give thanks to the Lord. Each of you three men have been chosen and designated by name with a fixed value before our Jewish king. Fidelity to your team and death to you as individuals before the dishonor of your team will express thanks to the Lord in every nation in which you set your feet to conquer. Amen. In 2 Chronicles 35, 15, Jedithan is called the king's seer. Each of you are prophetically gifted, and none of you has the whole picture. But together, you are the king's seer. In 1 Chronicles 25, 6, Jedithan has sons working under his direction. And he is working under the direction of the king. Today, this whole church is acknowledging as a body that you are working under the direction of the king. But more importantly, we are prophetically ordaining your sons in advance to work under your direction everywhere this team sets its foot. Ezra, Elisha in the womb, Barzillai, Bezalel, Titus, Benaiah, Yoshev, and Jehu. I say they all belong to the Lord now. And that they will work in his service, and you three shall accept no other outcome. Amen and amen. Some say that it is a different Jedithan. But then but again, then again it, may it may not be. <laughs> in 1 Chronicles 16, 38, a man named Jedithan was a father to Obed-Edom. Your team is to become a father 
to all among whom the ark of his presence comes to rest. You're young. You're going to be tempted to think of them as brothers. But you are a father to every single man that you teach Torah. Amen. This must be your view from this moment forward. Amen. Three psalms in the Bible are associated with Jonathan. We have picked two that will serve you well in the years to come. Psalm 62.1. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. As a team, your soul will always be at rest in peace, undisturbed. When you remember that the Lord saved you as a prize of war and your lives no longer belong to you. He will be for the three of you a fortress that cannot be shaken. We're going to continue in verse 7. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. This team's honor, its kavod, its glory, will always depend on and proceed from God himself. As a team, you must be disciplined to never seek it from another source. The Lord has become for you as individuals a mighty rock. But as a team, he has become your collective refuge. Amen. Verse 8 says, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Your team's example will teach others to trust the Lord in the exact manner that you do. They will learn to pour out their hearts as you do. Yeah. They will learn to take refuge in him as you do. Yeah. Verse 9. Low-born men are but a breath. The high-born are but a lie. If weighed on the balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. Our God is building into your team the kind of collective security that understands all men are just a breath. The three of you will remind each other not to be impressed with wealth or title. You are only to be impressed with the Lord and all of his glory. Your team should know in advance that some will be challenged by this very fact and others encouraged by it. But this is your view now, and you will have to help each other maintain it in the future. Verse 10. Do not trust in extortion or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken, two things have I heard, that you, O God, are strong, and that you, O Lord, are loving. Surely, you will reward each person according to what he has done. Nick, Judah, Peyton, your team cannot be bought, bribed, or intimidated away from your permanent status as sons with a fixed value. Your God is both loving and strong, and he has promised to reward your team for all that you accomplish. Amen. You must be loving and strong and stay focused on the reward that awaits your team rather than the performance of any given member on any given week. Amen. 
in another psalm associated with Jedithan. It says in Psalm 77 and verse 13, your ways, O God, are holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The three of us have operated in Smiha for more than seven years now as a team. And we recognize that the Lord has conferred Smiha upon your team. Yeah. He is not just your God as individuals, but he is our great Amen. God, as in the God of our teams. We are prophesying to you that he will do extraordinary miracles among the nations through your team. Amen. Verse 16, the waters saw your team, O God. The waters saw your team and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The skies resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. Every time Israel acted as one body, an ordained team of God, seas split and salvation occurred. Come on. The mere natural elements are no match for the supernatural power that is at work within the unity of your relationship. Judging by your own team's history, your footsteps may not be clear at times, but if you fight for and maintain unity, you will always be able to see that your mighty God led you through the sea with mighty miracles and his outstretched arm. We have a couple of classic Newer Testament exhortations to give you before we invite our elders to come and give you words. 1 Thessalonians 1.3 is long been one of our favorites. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Judah, I can testify before God and the holy angels that your work on behalf of Messiah is produced straight out of your extraordinary faith and trust in him. Amen. Nick, I can testify before God and this congregation that you tirelessly labor on behalf of Messiah and that is prompted straight out of your love for him and this body. Amen. Peyton. I can testify before God that your endurance in every trial for the glory of Messiah is inspired straight out of a hope that you have in the Lord for yourself, but also for everybody that you meet. Amen. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Yeah. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep convictions. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You're my brothers. You're loved by God. And we can all testify that God has chosen you. Amen. The neat thing is that we're not the only ones who testify. The power of the gospel in your lives, the presence of the Holy Spirit in your lives, and the deep convictions that you possess, they testify for you. Amen. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. 
For you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. I'm proud of you three as sons. I'm proud of you as a team. You became imitators of us and have excelled beyond us in the model that you have now set for future generations. First Timothy 1 verse 18 begins, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the, to the faith. Men, as a father in this house, I proudly say that you are my sons as well. And as such, I'm giving you a command. This command is in perfect alignment with the many, many, many prophetic utterances that you have received as a team. You must strategize the good strategy. The Lord has given you the region of a swan. And it can only be taken by assisting your brothers in the preparation of their great call throughout the one association. Amen. There are no goats here. No superstars. Not within our communities. Only one flock. And your strategy must involve every other member of the flock towards our collective call. Hallelujah. Paul goes on to tell Timothy in the sixth chapter, beginning in verse 11. But you, man of God, flee from all this. And pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, and endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I say to you, men of God, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness towards all of your called brothers. Agonize the good agony for their eternal objectives in the same way that you do for yours because they are one and the same. This is your good confession in front of all these witnesses here today. The same tenacity with which you pursued your discipleship, you will use to pursue their discipleship. My final charge to you comes in verse 20. Timothy Guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge. As one who's been called and ordained to shepherd this flock all the days of my life. As a shepherd who loves this flock deeply. As deeply as I love you. I charge you three men to guard the precious nature of what has been entrusted to you in their preparation and care. Amen. This means that you must turn away from godless chatter and what is falsely called knowledge expressed in normal worldly wisdom. Assess the sheep by the Spirit and speak to them in the Spirit. Amen. For they are the Lord's flock, they are your flock, and they are our flock. Amen. The task that you have before you today is not a stepping stone towards a swan. It is God's strategy and the agonizing fight to take the region of a swan. Amen. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 10. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, 
my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. You three men know about our teaching, our way of life, our purpose. You have seen the kind of things that happen to me on a daily basis. And yet the Lord has rescued me from it all. Even fixing that toilet yesterday. Yes. Exactly. Thank you, Lincoln. You three men are destined to agonize the good agony. In the trials and tribulations you will undoubtedly endure as you pursue the divine strategy that our king has set out for you. Verse 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. You've watched me since the first day you arrived in this church, and I say to you, I expect more of you men. You are the exponent, blessed with more investment, more teaching, and more anointing, so your example must exceed mine, just as the teams that are following you will exceed your example. Verse 15, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I have watched you three raised from infancy in the faith into maturity, into your Christian manhood. You have seen how I operate in a team and know how you must. Our God-ordained team teaches with all authority. Our God-ordained team rebukes unscriptural behavior with all authority. Our God-ordained team corrects every errant understanding with all God-ordained authority. Our God-ordained team trains every member of the flock in righteousness with all God-ordained authority. Our goal is the thorough equipping of every member in this house. So I say to you, follow my example. No, follow our example. And do it exponentially better than we have. For you have been given more, and I expect more of you. So at this time, we would like for you to take center stage, guys, and have the elders come up and join you guys. You three will stand here. Amen. What a day this is. We have watched you guys grow throughout the years. 
And it's such an exciting time for me to live long enough to see this day. That the, that the arm that the Lord has shown me 25 years ago is actually growing stronger and, and larger. And, and, and with you in the right position, this arm will grow much faster. And <clears throat> at the scripture out of Deuteronomy 30, and it says, This command I am giving you today is not too difficult for you. And it's not beyond your reach. It is not kept in heaven, so distant that you must ask, Who will go into heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey? It's not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask, Who will, cr will cross the sea? And... and Cross the sea and bring it to us that we may obey. No, this message is very close at hand. It is on your lips. It is in your heart. And you can and you will obey it. Now today, listen to me. I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. I command you this day to love the Lord your God and keep his commands, his decrees, and his regulations by walking in his ways. For you do this, you will live a life, and you will multiply. That's a key word, multiply. Amen. Because of the way you live your life. And the Lord your God will bless you, and the land you are about to enter and occupy. Now, you, you guys have been walking in this way for a while. But God's calling you into the position. And we know that, that you have watched us as the leaders in LCM. And we're confident that you're going to be, that you're going to fulfill this. Because you have watched and you have been taught the ways that we have followed the commands, the decrees, and the regulations. And we're confident that you guys are going to go forth and bring it even further and greater than we have. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, this is how we know that you guys are going to take it even further. And he says, when I urged Titus to visit you and sent our other brother with him, did Titus take advantage of you? No. For we have the same spirit. We walk in each other's steps. And doing this, doing things 
all the same way. And you guys have been faithful to do that and taking God's word further and you're going to go faster and you're going to multiply. Amen? Amen? I would not be speaking genuinely if I said that I am anything short of absolutely overwhelmed with what the Lord has done in your lives. I have watched you guys for years. You know, all the years that, we, uh, uh, that we've been here, I've watched uh, Judah go through a radical transformation. I've watched the same in Nick. I've watched the same in Peyton. Peyton was a household wor uh, word around our table way before I met him. And I've known your wife since she was three. And so it's uh, the way that the Lord has knitted this team together really is supernatural. We had our doubts about Peyton. <laughs> but Peyton wanted it really badly, and he got it. He was drawn by many things, but he made the right choice to stay here. Sonny, we've always known that about you. Judah, it's so evident in your life, the way that you live. I have just a couple of uh, encouraging scriptures for you. My first one, or my first point that I want to make to you is to continue fervently seeking the Lord's presence. Don't stop doing that. Do it as a team. Stay in the Lord's presence all the time. In Exodus 33:11, it says, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. He wanted to be in the presence of the Lord as long as he could. You guys do that. Stay in the presence. Listen and hear from God. My second point is to maintain the attitude of Christ. You guys have learned so much. You have learned patterns of this house and are living them now. And you guys know what the attitude of Christ is. Maintain that attitude. Philippians 2, 13 through 15. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Not yours. It's God that acts in your life to fulfill his purpose. Stay there. Camp there. And watch what he does. Let your dependence on him grow. Fight the urge to do things by your own arm. Just let the Lord lead you into everything that you do. You are, uh, we are witnesses to this in your lives already. The reason we can stand here and acknowledge these three men is because they're living it now. Yeah. It's not something that they got a four-year degree and now they're about to go and learn something. They are living it and will continue to learn. 
This is their life. My third point, keep cultivating your unity. The unity that you have in your team right now, it is what is saving your life. Amen. The three-corded strand that was talked about earlier is life. Uh, exercise the bones and the muscles and the tendons daily and make them stronger and stronger and stronger. Build your unity. <laughs> you can take that in as many ways as you like. I mean all of them. <laughs> Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Your unity is what is going to save many lives. Working as a ministry team and ministering to people this way, that's what people are going to see. Amen. They will see not only the love of Christ in you, but also the love that you have for each other. And it will get people's attention. Why are these guys like that? It might be weird, but it's interesting. And then eventually, it's awesome. I want that. That's what people are going to see. Number four, guard your hearts. Guard your hearts. Be careful in everything that you do. You guys watch each other's backs. This is why ministry teams usually succeed, and this one will. And Lone Rangers don't. Nobody else watching the back. Keep watch over yourselves, Acts 20, 28 says. Keep watch over yourselves. Keep watch over yourselves. Keep watch over each other. You guys are doing that very well. I can see that functioning this way in your lives right now is already producing immense amounts of fruit in your families. And it's a delight to watch. Your first obligation is your family. Make sure that that ministry is tight first. Make sure that you're always paying attention to your families and to your team because you can't do anything else unless that is right. Continues in uh, Acts 20, 28. And all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. You have a responsibility to the Lord to take care of his people. They're first his sheep, and then they're yours. Amen. His blood defined who they are. And so first, they belong to him, and it's your job to raise them up correctly with the same value that he has for them. Amen. Continue in your passion for learning, for hearing from the Lord, for wanting those beautiful gems of the Holy Spirit. Continue in your passion for the sheep and for the way you teach and the way you admonish. Continue doing that because this is what the Lord's house needs. I cannot tell you how proud I am of you guys. I've watched your progress. You guys have grown so much. And I think what we're doing today is absolutely fitting. I love you guys.
Nick Judah and Payton. I'm proud to be standing here in front of you today. We have seen you grow so much through the years. You three men are the example of what can come about through proper obedience and adhering to the Telemedim process. You are true soldiers in the kingdom, and we are more prepared for the battles ahead because you stand with us. I have seen each and every one of you push through every battle that, that has been laid before you. Some are won, and some are momentary defeats that will be victories in the future. But your resilience is one to be replicated. Your eyes are constantly focused on our Heavenly Father and His direction for your lives. We have watched you pastor your wives, children, your extended families, your co-workers, customers, and most of all, the sheep of this house. Today was inevitable. I think since I've been an elder, this was the easiest decision that had to be made. Now that this day has come, and it's become official, my first charge to you is to be ready. Though you have already been working in these functions, they will take on a new dynamic. 2 Timothy 4.2 in the CJB says, Proclaim the word. Be on hand with it, whether the time seems right or not. Amen. Convict, censure, and exhort, ex exhort with unfailing patience and with teaching. Do not hesitate to speak up. Their lives and our lives depend on it. I have five charges for you today. Number one, devote yourself. Devote yourself to the team that he has placed you. Devote yourself to the team that he has placed you in more and more. And continue to be devoted to prayer. Romans 12, 10 through 12 in the NASB says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted, in, devoted to prayer. Number two, be diligent and watch yourselves. Always be aware of what is reflecting in your life. You, your family, and your brotherhood should be growing and becoming stronger through the years. 1 Timothy 4. 14 through 16. Do not neglect your gift, which has been given you through the prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Number three, be confident. Know without a doubt that you are where God wants you to be. 
and be confident that he will give you the words to speak at the right time. Your confidence will benefit both you and those around you. Titus 3.8 in the CJB. You can trust what I have said, have just said, and I want you to speak with confidence about these things so that those who have put their trust in God may apply themselves to do good deeds. These are both good in themselves and valuable to the community. Number four, do not neglect. Your family is your first ministry above all else. They will be your radiance and the example of your leadership. First Timothy four or first Timothy three, four through five. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? Number five, be steadfast. Chaos is bound to ensue to try to distract you, but you are to keep your mind steadfast. Meditate on his word and pray. This is what will keep you in shalom. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace those whose mind are steadfast because they trust in you. In John 21, Jesus tells Peter to do three things if he loved him. Feed my lamb, take care of my sheep, and, feed, and to feed the sheep. The three sound the same but are not. Feed my lamb is talking about the next generations. Take care of my sheep is the physical. Feed my sheep is the spiritual. Go out there and take care of the flock. We love you. Amen. So what we're going to do now is present them with letters from us that they get to read in their own time. And then certificates of ordination. Sound booth, would y'all display those? Make sure we got them to the right people. At this time, we'd like to do something special. We would like the guys to take a, a stand right here. Elders, if you don't mind surrounding them. We've been saying it all day, and after an hour and 23 minutes, you probably have the picture, but if you don't yet, ordination is not an ecclesiastical endowment. It's not an academic pursuit. It is when men are recognized by the body for what God has already ordained their role as. So this is not just elders and pastors. This really depends 
on how you see them. The connected imagery in the Bible of we are all supporting ligaments, one body, is Numbers 8. And it's this image. It is existing leaders putting their hands on those that are being recognized as leaders and every member of the body putting their hands on them. So it was a nation connected. We're going to begin to pray, and as we do, I'd like to ask you to come and join us through connected hands. If you have a word of prophecy or something, that is okay. If you have a scripture or something, that is okay. And you need to be appropriate with what the Spirit is doing. I will not listen to 15 scriptures that you just happen to want to read. It needs to be God. Father, we thank you so much for what is happening here. Lord, you literally conceived this long before we were aware of it. We attest to your work as a body. And we are so thankful for the gifts that you have given us in the lives of these men. Lord, may your whole community be strengthened because of it. Lord, may they raise, may we build ourselves up in you, Lord. May we together grow in you. We love you and ask your spirit to come and move in this group. Lord, we're asking for your direction. kindled in the enemy's camp and there is a purpose in his heart but the Lord has designated you as watchmen on these walls and he says take your stand on these walls and watch out for my sheep 
Be cautious of what you see, what your eyes see, what your heart discerns. Lean into the council of the throne room and watch for my sheep. I want to confirm the word that was given just a moment ago. I was reminded, Nick, of a promise that was given to you that there would be seven lampstands that would burn in that nation. That you would raise up old foundations and you would raise up seven churches that were now dead. I want to remind you of that promise and say it's not just for you, it's for your team. That through the generations that you won't see it happen yeah. in your days, but in the generations to come, yeah. you will raise up seven churches that will burn brightly for Christ, that will burn brightly for my kingdom. I say lift up your head, lift up your gaze, do not be discouraged for you will not see it in your days or your times, but it will happen. So pour out your life and it will happen in the generations to come. of a vision the Lord gave us while we were standing in Romania and that there was an enemy that was rising out of the sea that there was this dark figure and the Lord wanted to remind you that you are the answer that the enemy has raised up his champion in his area and in this nation that he seeks to overcome and dominate and the Lord says I have raised up, raised up mine that I have raised up my champion to answer this threat, to match this rebellion, and that you will surely overcome. You will overcome by your blood and the blood of your sons. You will overcome through pain and toil and eventually suffering and death. But you will meet this challenge and overcome the rebellion of the enemy. I am sending you as my champion, says God. I see the three of you as a, a, a Roman phalanx holding shields in between you. Uh, those shields guarded the men on your left and your right. And those shields were the unity that exists between you. The three of you don't make decisions on your own. You make decisions as a team, and that guards you from the attacks of the enemy. The man who received five bags of gold brought in <laughs> another five. Master, he says, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share with your master happiness. Yeah. Satan, Nick and Judas. Judas told the Lord is saying that he, he is pleased with what you have done in this body. Amen. And he will entrust you with more. Yeah, 
two more words. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Show yourself an example of those who believe. Men, when I see you, I think of the word example as image because I see the image of Christ that he has formed in you. It's clear. And you're being sent out today, not as a squad going to look for a, on a recon mission to look for a place to camp. You're not going out as a company going to join up with somebody else in their fight. You're being sent out as a battalion to set up a headquarters to wage war on the enemy. And we are his witnesses to these matters, as so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Peyton, Nick, and Judah, we are all witnesses, as is the Holy Spirit, of the work that he has been doing in you and through you. The vision that the Father was speaking to our family yesterday, and which I think it's for you, is that you are seeds that are being planted in dry, hard ground. Dry, hard ground from which nobody expects to see fruit. You are seeds that are being planted in faith, but that will produce fruit with due time and in the due season. So my encouragement to you is to take heart. Know that you are seeds that are meant to die. Know that you are seeds that are meant to produce in a time, in a season that is right, but on a, in a land that nobody expects to see fruit. Saints, while we're all touching each other's shoulders, let's, let's make eye contact with each other here for a second. We're one body. These three men are not just being ordained to do something in the future in a foreign land. We recognize them as pastors here. Now, our pastors. Okay? We need them. They need us. We're going to mature together. They're also going to help in ministry to the other one association churches. We are learning to do this better. We're learning to do this in teams. Many, many more of you are coming. Okay? That's, that's how this works. What used to take us a long, long time, we're getting better at. And there will be 12 springs, domestic churches feeding the 70 nations. And then we'll repeat that model in every nation that we go to. Okay? You're connected right now. I wanted them to remember the day they were ordained how this is. But I want you to remember, because many of you will be ordained as well at some point. We're going to connect churches just like this. Not just members of church, churches. It is going to happen because it's God's will. I'm going to close us in prayer, and then we're going to do something. We're going to eat together. And it's not crappy food. It's really good food. Which makes it easier to pray a prayer of thanksgiving over. <laughs> so we'll move the chairs. All of the chairs are just. Just the center section. We're going to move the center section after this. Just like we might do at a wedding. And uh, if you need to go, we understand. But we, we have enough food for every person and a bunch that aren't here. Because we didn't want you to have to drive to a restaurant. We didn't want you to. We wanted just to hang out with you. Okay. <laughs> I also want to remind y'all, meet Fabian Cruz. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
I, I, I like this man, and I, I want him to like y'all. And, and at first glance, it'd be easy to, what we say, weird, then interesting, and then awesome. I think that describes our whole church. Father, we thank you for these three anointed priests that you have given us. We thank you for the threefold cord that will not be broken. We thank you for their example in our lives and our co-partnership with each other in advancing your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.